This week's guest is Monica Carbonell, founder and director of Liquid Culture. Liquid Culture initially started off as an inclusive community that encourages users to be the very best home bartender. Since the inception of Liquid Culture, this brand has now grown to become a media production and management company. We talk with Monica about the significance of teamwork and personal relationships in the workplace, her motivation for starting her own business, and how the concept for Liquid Culture evolved over time. Make sure you check out the website at liqculture.com or just check out the links in the show notes for this episode. You can also see Monica making semi-regular appearances on the social on CTV. Enjoy this week's show. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Industry Podcast. My name is Kip. This is Dan. How are you, Dan? I'm doing wonderful, thanks. Uh, but yourself, how are things going along with you? Just uh, plugging along in lockdown land. We're, mm-hmm. um, yeah, uh, got a good to-go cocktail program going at the bar now, so that's Ooh. been a little bit better. Something, a reason to get out of bed. Yeah, that's good. It's nice. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, aside from that, it's just a shitty time to be in the industry. Get the housekeeping out of the way. If you like the show, and I'm sure you do, you should be uh, following us at, at the Industry Podcast and all, on Instagram. And also, you should be subscribing, rating, reviewing. That stuff helps. If you want to be on the show, just DM us at the Industry Podcast on Instagram, and uh, we will get back to you with a date. And shout out to Zach Hanna for all the great design work that he does for us at Zach Hanna Design. Correct. There'll be a link in his in the show notes to his Instagram profile and any links we talk about. You just check the show notes and you can find them all there. We have a great guest, as always, on the Industry Podcast. This day, uh, we're recording on, what's the date today? January? The 25th. 25th. I can't even keep the date straight anymore. Um, January 25th, we have with us Monica Carbonell. We're just going to bring her in right now. Uh, How are you, Monica? Hey, guys. How are you doing? Uh, Wonderful. Thanks. All right. All right. And you're um, in Toronto currently, correct? Correct. I've been here for probably like eight, ten years. Yeah. And so, obviously, not great COVID situation in Toronto, but uh, (laughs) with your new business um, situation we want to get to talk a lot about today, liquid culture, um, that's really, the COVID's probably not affecting that as much because you're sort of doing home bartending, correct? Yeah, I've been, since 2017, when I launched, uh, I've been pushing the movement of just people getting more confident with bartending at home. Um, the whole concept just behind the culture has just been the fact that <laughs> I know even as myself when I was bartending, it, we made it intimidating. At least I know it can seem that way. So I find um, when we break those boundaries, it's always really, really good for people just to gain more confidence in bartending at home. And then they start to actually understand what real true bartenders actually do. Right. Yeah. I, I, I think that's valuable because I, I mean, I know... From all the places that I've worked, you, uh, we talk all the time among other industry folk about how how often you talk about how your guests don't really seem to understand what you go through and what the process is like. And like that kind of education can help them just to be better guests even. Exactly. And I think a better guest makes it all the better experience for bartenders and restaurateurs and feeding the industry that is obviously bleeding right now. Um, mm. So if we can, you know, at least reach out or in some simple way, if we can reach out to anyone, um, I think it's just better for you guys because my heart and soul has always been with hospitality. And I like, 
I am feeling for you right now during COVID. Well, thank you. <laughs> I do. I'm feeling for me too. <laughs> um, well, let's talk about a little bit about your history in the industry. So how did you first get into the service industry? What were some of your first jobs? Yeah, so um, pretty much I've been with the Oliver and Bonaccini brand for quite some time. I'm sure most of the people in Toronto or the, in the GTA area will know about them. Um, so... I just had a mom who loved to cook and she was just such a great chef around the house. She never went worked at a restaurant. I really think that she needs to run a bakery, but, um, anyway, she just had this passion for food. And I think that's what really started my love for hospitality. And I went to Guelph university for hospitality. And I don't know, also, I was kind of glad it was over <laughs> because <laughs> I am one of those people that I just like to work. So it was it was a great learning experience. Like the connections that I got were fantastic, but I was happy to just kind of dive in. And that's when I actually got introduced to the Oliver and Bonaccini group. So I started working at the uh, Oakville place, even though I didn't live there. I was living in Brampton, uh, going to school in Guelph, and then like commuting over to work like on the weekends or like in between at um, the Cafe Grill. Mm -hmm. And like they were my first restaurant group and they gave me a shot and I started off as a service assistant, like, you know, we all do. And you build yourself up and that bar is always kind of the space where, hey, you know, if you hustle hard, that's where you end up. That's where the good money is. Um, so I don't know. I just kept on pushing and pushing and pushing it. And then I moved on. I went over to Fifth Bistro which was one of my favorite restaurants, like one of my first restaurants I've ever been to in Toronto, which is kind of new to the scene. And there I was still serving. I didn't really do any of the bartending thing. And I was bartending in, well, sorry, in uh, Oakville, but that was barely anything. Like I didn't even know what a Caesar was. Um, so I was just- I wait, I Honestly, I wish I didn't know what a Caesar was. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You know, I like making them. I just- oh, I hate it. <laughs> yeah, I just don't drink them. Yeah. So um, anyway, I just was kind of thrown into the bar and then I started serving in Biff's and they said, oh, you used to cocktail, you like used to bartend there a little bit, right? I'm like, yeah, if that's what you call it. But oh, <laughs> I just learned a little bit more of Biff's and um, my GM at the time, she, I guess she felt and knew that that wasn't my vibe, just that environment. It has nothing against any of the people that I work with, but I just, it, it just wasn't my environment. It was, it was very much like a family knit thing. And when I'm working, I'm one of those people, like, I don't socialize that much with like my coworkers. I'm actually more focused on the guests and my job and everything like that. Uh, and that energy. So I guess my GM kind of felt that vibe and she's like, hey, listen, you know, a position at Canoe is coming up uh, for a bartender. Would that be something that you'd be interested in? And I knew I, have to, I had to study. I knew I'd have to kind of uh, step in my game, do a little bit of research. Um, and then, yeah, I, that was probably the most prepared interview I've ever had. And it was the best thing I could have done. I, I showed that I could hustle and then 
the rest is history. <laughs> so describe a little, well, I want to circle back a little bit uh, to when you were talking about going to school. Like you said, you, you got good, made good connections out of it and you felt like it was a viable experience. We've had a few people who have done sort of hospitality type programs in college or colleges or universities. Um, maybe can you go into a little bit more detail about how you felt like that university experience helped you once you got out into the real working condition? I know you were eager to do it, so... <laughs> Um, the thing was for me, uh, I know where I was in terms of my, my environment. I wouldn't have known about Oliver and Bonaccini. I, I like, I didn't know fine dining. Like I didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. I barely traveled. Um, I was very closeted and sheltered and this is definitely because of a Cuban father. So ah. anyone out there, <laughs> if you're lad and you have a Cuban dad, then you know, um, <laughs> the struggle is real. So I was never really allowed out. Um, and I don't know, university was a chance one to actually be free. Right. So I, I didn't actually stay in university. Like I wasn't living there on campus. Mm-hmm for the first two years, but the third and fourth year I did. And that's when I was also working as well. And I was able to, like, I had a car, so I was able to commute and everything to to work because I was working in between as well because, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm used to just paying my own way for everything. So, um, and then, so I never would have gone to where I am if it wasn't for university. Okay. With the surroundings that I was in. And what's the other big thing? The other big influential person, I think, for me was Bruce McAdams. He was like the first person that I felt that university course was practical in every single sense because he brought in real examples, like real businesses, and it's like, hey, let's come up with a business plan to help them improve. And these people would actually come in, these entrepreneurs would come in and they they would share their stories and we would apply everything that we learned uh, throughout those four years. And yeah, so kind of big shout out to him because he he really helped that journey. Uh, And so talking a little bit more about uh, Oliver Bocchini and the canoe experience, um, just for people who aren't in the GTA region, what kind of a restaurant is canoe? It's like very fine dining. Yeah, so it's all about Canadiana. Uh, it's definitely fine dining. It was like the top restaurant in Canada for not the top, but within the top 10 for mm-hmm. such a long time. Um, they're so creative with, you know, their food and beverage program. And it's just in the heart of the city as well. So we deal with the finance guys. And that just calls for volume, volume, volume. And it was a very different cocktail scene from what I know today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like what kind of drinks are you making there for the finest guys? Is it mostly like classic cocktails or did you guys have your own cocktail list like of signature cocktails? We did have signature cocktail lists. Um, they didn't require a lot of work because like I mentioned, volume was massive at Canoe. Mm. Especially like, you know, summer or winter just came along. That just exploded our restaurant and then we still had our regular you know busy bar because we were the one space that i found like we had probably 80 at least 80 percent just regular guests that would always come in like our thursday friday nights were absolutely insanity so um i would say the list was about six cocktails 
And then we were pouring a lot of wine and martinis, though. That was like the big kind of push, all the classic stuff. Mm -hmm. So nothing too, too creative, but we would have people come in and want to, you know, explore. Uh And were you responsible for any curating of that cocktail list? Yeah, Yeah, no, it was me and Jeff um, all the way. Um, And for a long time, actually, when I joined in, oh, shit, you know what? I don't even remember her name, but that's all right. I don't remember what happened. (laughs) I got a training. (laughs) I got a training for a week. And at the very end of my training, the girl, and I could tell this girl, like I picked it up quicker than her. Yeah. And it was very obvious. Like when I was done that shift, my last like training shift, that girl got fired. Like they were were just moving her out because you needed someone who was always hustling and moving. That bar is only good if you have two to three people max and an amazing bar back and um you can make amazing money and that's what it was and like if you didn't connect with jeff if you didn't have that um that that work balance it just it it wouldn't have worked and it it would read all over our faces like to our customers and everything like that so Mm -hmm. yeah the teamwork issue is almost can be a little bit underrated when you're talking about working behind a bar because I like you know when you're working with I always describe it like it's almost like a dance you're doing with your bar partner back there and if you're constantly just if you don't gel you're just constantly in each other's way maybe and like if your personalities don't jive, that's also an issue that also can be an issue not always like there's certainly I've worked in places where I didn't get along with the person I was working with but you could still make it work during the shift but uh, maybe talk to me a little bit about how much how important you think like a personal relationship with your your co-bartender is well you said the perfect word there that's what dance. I do <laughs> <laughs> that's why you run a podcast <laughs> no sorry I didn't. what was the word <laughs> the key word is that dance yeah that dance in between each other and it's just rhythmic and smooth and you don't bump into each other it's just it's magic like it was me, him, and this bar back named Sharafat. And I will never, I will never have a dream team like that again. It just, mm-hmm. we knew what needed to get done. We would just put our heads down and run. That's what it felt like pretty yeah. much every single day. But I loved every single second of it. And who's Jeff? Was, uh, I know you had his name in the bio, but I'm not familiar with him. What's uh, Jeff's full name? And he was kind of like a mentor to you a little bit? Yeah, so Jeff Sansoni, he... Um, He's been bartending. Like, he is an OG bartender. Mm-hmm. He is one of those guys, a lifer. Um, he's 50-plus, like, still doing it, and he'll he'll crush anyone in terms of, like, volume and speed mm-hmm. just because of, you know, his skill, his art. I, 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 I adore and really admire him so much. Um, yeah, what do you want to know about him? <laughs> uh, well, just maybe how he helped you along, like, uh, and how he mentored you. I know you I, I, you obviously have strong feelings about him, so I was just, like, maybe a little bit more um, in-depth on, like, what you think he taught you or... The, the classic cocktail game was huge. Uh, learning about volume and, you know, just dealing with our guests and if, uh, dealing with a very different clientele than I had ever dealt with mm-hmm. because the financial district, like those finance guys, they need a different kind of approach than others. But I find them one of the easiest to work with. Like it's well, How know. is the approach different? Would you say like what gives us an example, like what dealing with a finance guy, I've never actually worked in a financial sector like that. So, yeah. you know what you can kind of be cutthroat with them. Like mm-hmm. they, they don't need you to kiss their ass. 
they just need you to be knowledgeable, quick, and efficient. This isn't a, hey, you know, I'm going to a bar, so I'm going to wait 10, 20 minutes for a cocktail or a wine. That's not that's not going to fly. Right. So it was a different mentality with them, but they were very easygoing. You just had to respect certain boundaries. Like you knew who was coming in with their boss, and so they needed to seem a little bit more flashy or, you know, they're bringing a date or if they're in a private meeting. So it's just managing what your guests need and, and knowing that because, you know, bartenders, we all have to be kind of therapists. and Yeah. <laughs> but you got to know when, like when they want you to, to sort of talk them up. And then when you want to, they want you to leave the fuck, leave them the fuck alone. Like, yeah, that's, that's kind of the, what you're dealing with there. Canoe was your last job before you started out on your own with liquid culture, correct? Somewhat. Somewhat? Okay. <laughs> well, so I, um, while I was starting Liquid Culture, because, you know, it's hard to give up the bartending thing. I was working part-time at the Air Canada Centre. Oh, okay. What is it? Scotiabank Arena now. Yeah, whatever. Which, by the way, if they caught us saying Air Canada Centre, like, there was... Was a big no-no. <laughs> oh yeah, I bet. Yeah. Well, it's funny too. Like with all those like Rogers Center, I still call it Skydome, and like, but but for if you're working there, I'm sure that's not cool. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. they didn't want that. Yeah. So I was there just for like two years, just because one, it was literally next door to my place. So it was one of the. It's an easy like just bartending gig, and I love the Raptors, so it was just, it was a win. Yeah. opportunity and um and i was still able to kind of work on my craft but i would say this if you do want to just dive into your own business it's better to cut those ties now earlier than later because you won't believe how much time is consumed by you know these side hustles and projects when you just want to do and focus on one thing mm-hmm. uh just before we jump totally off of it what were you like at at the scotia bank arena I kept myself on that one too. Uh, wait. Not listening. <laughs> were you working in like so the luxury suites or were you working just like behind one of the main bars? Sorry. Yeah, I should have said yeah. that. Um, it was a private members club. Um, yeah. It was called chairman. So it would be, it would be all the private, it would, it would be all the private guys. Like, okay. So for example, Urkel came in one day <laughs> and I remember I was freaking out about it and I was working with the younger, you know, with younger coworkers, and they didn't know who Urkel was. I'm just no. like, are you serious? Like, this is an icon. This is a legend here. So it was. Um, Does Urkel still have pull? Like, what is <laughs> no, he? Do? No, <laughs> but I went crazy. <laughs> no, we've definitely seen some celebs. Um, Obama came through. Oh wow! Uh, one time. So this is where basically, like, all the main guys they'll bring. Like, they need a fancy dinner before. They go out to the game. That's where they're held. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm. Obama, eh? Yeah, he's pretty... People know him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you cut him off any chance? <laughs> I've caught off... Actually, who was that guy? Oh, Hockey Night in Canada. There's the two main guys. Who is Don it? Don Cherry? And the other one. Ron McLean? Him. You cut Ron McLean off? Oh. Yeah, but that was a no-kill. <laughs> that was a long, long time ago. Wow. <laughs> you must get a lot of drinks bought for him, though, I bet, too, right? Yeah. And when he goes, it was, hey, let's do a shot. Let's have a beer. Uh, and that'd be great. What a great way to go out. <laughs> uh, okay, well, let's... Uh, <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad we 
dove into the Scotia Bank experience. Um, the, but let's talk about what we really want to talk about, which is liquid culture, because I'm super interested in what you what you did here. And like, can you talk to us first about like what what made you decide that this is something that was needed and you should be the one doing it? Okay. Oh, I like the why I'm supposed to be doing it. <laughs> yeah. so don't make me forget that. Um, so I had quit canoe and I still had no idea kind of where I was going to go. Um, but you, oh, I'm sorry, just to, not to, just to jump in here real quick. You quit canoe before you knew you were opening this business? Yeah. Oh, okay. So why oh, did you quit? Uh, I quit because I knew I was a bit complacent. Um, I, there's, I literally had the cushiest bartending job to be honest, because it was a Monday to Friday, like set hours. Like I didn't work weekends for a bartender. Like this is fucking crazy. (laughs) (laughs) So I literally had the dream bartending job, at least like in my eyes, in terms of having flexibility, financial freedom and all that. But I was going through a lot of changes in my life and I knew I needed a switch. It wasn't that I was divorcing the industry. I wasn't upset or I didn't hate canoe at any point. Mm. Um, I just knew I needed a change and creatively, mentally, in, in all aspects. Oh, and also the other big thing. I was 28 and already having knee problems. Like, Oh, yeah. That is- running on. Yeah. I was, okay, I was, I was talking say, about running that. Running on concrete floors. It's just yeah, terrible. I was- talking about that literally yesterday with somebody who's not in the industry and like that is a very underrated factor in uh the service industry is how hard it is actually on your body yeah Yeah, no it's a different kind of training i think i actually remember hearing a podcast you were saying like you know just retraining yourself to come back after covid yeah Um, yeah different type of workout (laughs) i know i know and i i'm the dumbass who opened a bar in a basement so i'm running up and down the stairs to let people in all the time too (laughs) Uh, anyway so let's get back on track here i'm I'm taking us off topic so you decide that you want to open this business why was it something that was needed why were you the one to do it okay so i left canoe i knew i was probably going to have the chairman's job that was already kind of settled just to have it as background noise while i figure out what i wanted to do with my life mm-hmm. and literally that monday i don't know just i i grabbed a paper and pen this like something reached out to me to grab a paper and pen which i never did and start writing the, some ideas down in terms of what i wanted to do mm-hmm. and i think also because I would go over to my friend's place, you know, like to my people back home in Brampton or Mississauga. And I was always a designated bartender. I was always a person that they just like forced to kind of mix drinks. And I, and I kept telling them, guys, you know, you can bartend too. Like, I know you know how to cook. I know, you know, like flavor, like pairings and everything. So you can definitely bartend. Mm -hmm. So that was the thought that was exactly where it started in the sense that I wanted to communicate to them. I wanted them to get a little bit more confident with bartending at home because it really is just learning about balances and like learning key, you know, components to be able to mix freely within your home. Mm-hmm. So that's where that thought process started. And then, yeah, where it is today. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So why do you feel you were the one to start that you were the ideal person to start a business like this? So I think anyone could start this. Um, I don't want to be the only image here, but um, the big thing was, 
and it, and one experience actually from canoe was I had this gentleman come in and we were slammed like absolutely absolutely slammed and Jeff you know being he was doing the Sarissa bar so he couldn't do anything he couldn't deal with any of the guests so I was dealing with all of them and he wanted a Manhattan and he looked at me like I could never make a Manhattan (laughs) and he just kept on you know wanting you know bartender you know like the male bartender no offense to you guys um (laughs) (laughs) they just wanted him to create the cocktail and I that really pissed me off like that fostered a thought process of why is it that we females can't be recognized as bartenders mm-hmm. and listen, this guy was old he was archaic so it was just an like an old school mentality but I just wanted to kind of change the face of what is a typical bartender mm-hmm. and that it isn't just like a hipster with tattoos you know what I mean right yeah <laughs> fair enough so okay so now you've decided to jump into this idea of like teaching people how to bartend at home so describe a little bit about what your business does what liquid culture is all about okay so liquid culture really is just a it's grown to basically being a media production and management company so i i evolved it with you know what was the money that i needed coming in (laughs) what what businesses needed uh, because i actually started doing a lot of social media management uh, for especially wine agencies in Toronto because they don't have budgets to have, you know, a particular marketing person or, or yeah, just funding to get like a PR firm to get, do their branding and all that. So I come in as just an easy solution for those smaller, you know, agencies. And yeah, that was actually kind of my bread and butter for a little bit. And uh, photography was massive. And mm-hmm. I honestly, I laugh because my photography back then was garbage. And like people were still paying me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I just, I developed those skills obviously with time and it takes time and practice. But um, the f- first and foremost is that I just want liquid culture to be a, pl- a community, a mm-hmm. community where people can feel confident in bartending at home. Now, I realized I had to adjust what I've been doing in terms of my social media and everything. So this year I'm actually diving into a lot more video content because I realized, okay, yeah, the captions are there. You know, people have a website to go to, but they're still lazy. Like they just need a visual, you know what I mean? Um, So I want to dive into that a little bit more because I feel like they'll connect with also what Elsie is about because my captions, like my passion and how I'm screaming on there is literally how I am in person all the time. But I don't think people realize I have that much like energy. (laughs) And just frankly, I've discovered even from managing my own social media for my business that it's videos just get way more views and likes and like all that shit you're looking for from social media that I barely understand. But uh, yeah, like the difference in the amount of views you get from a video compared to just a still photo is unbelievable. And it's much more engaging. I think you're going to get a lot more out of it um, in terms of a brand or restaurant or bar, whatever you're working from. So yeah, that's what I'm kind of pushing towards now, but it's evolved. It's like to say I've just been on the Instagram platform. It's not a thing because I've been working on my website forever. Like my website is a labor of love, which is finally actually getting so much organic reach that I never would have thought of. And, you know, I was lucky that I had a web guy to help me throughout that whole process. So, cause guys, you become everything when you become an entrepreneur, 
entrepreneur, you end up taking care of all these different roles that you never would have thought of in your life. Okay. Right. And what is the website address for those who want to check it out right now? Uh, it's liquaculture.ca or liqculture.com. Um, the reason it's LIQ culture is just because, well, someone had liquaculture on Instagram, so I had to create <laughs> something it. else. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And we'll, we'll put links to that in the show notes as well for anyone checking it out. So, so somebody goes on your website and just, just walk us through like what, like if I go on your website, um, what services are you offering there? Like navigate us through that a little bit so that uh, anyone listening now can figure out if they, if they need some liquid culture in their life. <laughs> so it's really just so much of it is a blog and that's actually really good. You know, for anyone, by the way, if you want to get seen more on the Google platform, just keeping, just keep on adding new content really helps with getting more reach and getting uh, people more eyes to your account, like on Google search. So I highly, highly recommend just constantly adding content to the, uh, to the web platform. So it's a blog, you'll find recipes. Um, now I lay them out so that I write why I use each component, how you can substitute it, because I'm trying to make it as approachable as possible. I know that some people aren't going to have like these obscure liqueurs or maybe they're too lazy to make that syrup. So how do you substitute that? Right. So I started doing that more in the past like six months in terms of my new content. So I'm loving that. And um there's videos, there's a bit of educational to concepts as well. Like I made something called terms of cocktail mints. So <laughs> things of things you mean have never heard of, like understanding what brandy is, you know, what's dry mean in a martini. So I, right. I, I broke that down in one of my educational segments. So. That's great though. Honestly, I think that like, cause I said, like not even just what that's going to help somebody do at their own home. Like, I feel like that's just, raising the education level of guests who go to bars so then uh, i mean that's huge for for people in our profession <laughs> like uh, if you could have a smarter clientele or not smart more knowledgeable is a better way to put it but uh, more knowledgeable clientele when they come into your bar that's going to eliminate a lot of your issues a hundred percent like say for example you're reading a cocktail list and you hate for Okay. Yeah, there are people that hate Fernet. You don't love it when you first, you know, sip it. I don't understand those people. I don't believe in them. <laughs> and I don't, I don't want to associate either. with. I don't want to associate with them either. <laughs> but yes, I know they exist. <laughs> so, so like for example, like my friend, he was reading this cocktail list, and it looked like something he would love. He didn't know what Fernet was, and he was about to order it. But knowing him, I'm like. B, I'm sorry, I know you're not going to like this cocktail because you've tasted Fernet with me and like you clearly forgot about the name and you're going right. to hate this shit. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. so it, the better educated they are, the better experience they're going to have. They're not, you know, you're not going to have a guest that's going to have a cocktail and be like, oh, this bartender sucks because they don't understand what the cocktail is, you know? Yeah. Well, and I like it too, um, just for the home bartending as well, because so many people, I think, just fall into their routines of, oh, I, when I'm at home, I just drink vodka sodas or I drink wine or I drink beer or whatever. And so you're kind of elevating what people are doing in their own homes. Uh, the result of that is going to be more education as well, because they're going to have to go out and try some new spirits based on the recipes that you've given them, right? Yeah. I, I've been pushing a lot of cachaça and pisco lately. Oh, okay. kind of the, and, and just rum, rum in general, I've been loving a lot more. So I've been trying to push more of that because especially with rum, I think it's one of the most misunderstood 
categories uh, in terms of spirits. So I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I just, um, I'm trying my best. There's so much learn. Like I'm constantly still learning. I don't tell people that I am an expert. I just am trying to share as much knowledge as I'm learning as well. And so uh, I know like before we started recording today, you were talking a little bit about like how you miss some the bartending a little bit but uh how have you found that like because now i mean well none of us are bartending right now but like let's say this pandemic didn't exist if any of us can pretend that happened but uh like did you how did you find that you missed the sort of social part of the bartending experience because now you're just blogging and doing recipes etc right that was the hardest year of my life like No. no joke and i chose to exit the industry and, yeah. you know, kind of confine myself in more of a less, you know, social space. Because to me, by the way, like, I'm going to be on here saying I'm on social media, but I don't care about social media. I yeah. really, really like, I think that's why I've kind of taken it easy. I've never really cared about my growth. I just wanted to hit 10K so I can do the swipe up. <laughs> but <laughs> um, other than that, I never, you know, cared about my following numbers or anything like that. I know the brands do, but I wanted to grow something that was at least organic. But um, yeah, this is not satisfying. And I'm, I'm holding up the phone, people, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And for those who can't, <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I, I was never satisfied by that. So I found ways to kind of help, but it took me a year. And that's, again, why I felt for bartenders in an essence where it's like a drug, this mm-hmm. like social connection. Um, I personally love it. And if you're just cut from that, it's a, it's a harsh reality to kind of, you know, absorb in this time. Right. Yeah. And it's honestly like I even just through the pandemic, like I can't believe how much I just miss being out at the business at the bar, talking to new people who come in. And like when you're excited about what you're offering at the place, too, it's like it, it really comes across to the guest and you're like and you're, you're I don't know, you're just mentally happier. Right. Like, you know, I'm, I'm talking about something I'm excited about to people I'm just meeting for the first time. That's I love that part of the process. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, it's absolutely like I couldn't agree with you more. So when like that whole transition, I realized, okay, I need to start actually focusing mental energy on my mental health. Like, because that's something, you know, bartending, it kind of felt fluid. Like, I, I don't know. Is it kind of like some somebody takes over and it's just so fluid and it just happens so naturally that it doesn't like it doesn't take any effort in terms of like mental work or anything. So when I went into doing like this business, I realized, holy shit, like there's a lot more creative, creative, you know, brain work that needs to be done. Like I actually need to set aside time for that healing process Mm -hmm. to be able to manage that because it caused, because I had, I had burnout. I had a little bit of depression, um, you know, during that whole transition and realizing okay ways to still be connected and still being focused with the job it's it was a hard it was a hard you know balance yeah i can imagine this is a bit of a crass question i guess but like how do how do you monetize this like how does like because you're blogging you're not you're not making any money from giving away free recipes so how does how do you turn this into a money-making enterprise 
Okay, so one thing, I hate the word blog. I, I actually okay. usually always reference my website as a website. Hey, hey, you brought it up. <laughs> I did, I did. But the reality is, yes, there is blogging yeah. components to it. But I want liquor culture to be more than just that. Sure, yeah, I, um, I know what you mean. So the monetizing was obviously reaching out to, you know, uh, and working with agencies that I kind of knew and built relationships with, Um you know, just managing their social media because a lot of just people need that content and assets and everything. And that goes for photography. So I already had an interest in photography. Um, I just stole my husband's camera and started like shooting and then realizing, oh, this lens needs to upgrade. Oh, well, the body sucks now. You know what I mean? Like you just, I, I just learned throughout the way. And then that ended up being a moneymaker for me as well. So okay. I... Yeah, I got some really kind of interesting jobs and I always push myself to <laughs> like, I would say, yes, I would say yes, that yes, I can do it. And I'm figuring it out at the last minute, but I, I didn't want to say no, I really wanted to absorb as much knowledge and learning as I could. Mm -hmm. So um, that was a big moneymaker for me uh, for a while, but then COVID hit. And honestly, the beverage industry, first and foremost, has been very slow when it comes to social media, like uh, spending ad dollars there. That has not been a thing for uh, like a while. And I thought that they were quite behind. And this was me without having a marketing background. And it was something that like me and my brother actually talked about quite a bit because he's actually in marketing. So he'll, he knows a lot more than I do. So it's, it's funny how we kind of exchange notes. Mm -hmm. But yeah, when COVID hit, that's when I started getting more of that consistency. Mm -hmm. My photography was getting better. My work was getting better. I was putting more effort into my community and it was showing. And a lot of my stuff was a lot of references. Now the whole CTV, like the social, that was purely from actually someone from Canoe that I'm forever grateful for. Oh, yeah. So I, I'm probably like one of the few people who don't know this show, but I don't watch daytime television like ever. So I like it. it the social is kind of like Canada's version of The View. Yeah, correct. Okay. All right, so I don't really know what they do on the view either. But, <laughs> but uh, so essentially, what do you when you go on? You regularly go on the show. Yeah, I'm going to be on actually February. No, shoot, I'm shooting on February the eighth, but it's probably the following week that is going to come. Oh, that oh. works out well. So like the show will be out on February fifteenth. Oh, yeah, perfect. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah so should... it's been probably like nine times now. Okay. Yeah. So, and when you when you go on there, you're making cocktails. Yeah. So I'm there as a drink expert. They have a couple people there as drink experts. Now I basically was like, this opportunity came about because a guy that I used to work with. So his name was Adam. His name is Adam. It's not like he's Adam. <laughs> he's still with um, us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's still with us. And hilarious guy. His wife actually works at The Social as a fashion designer. Oh, okay. Um, and like one of the producers there. And I was just on social media. Like this is in the beginning of LC. So I was doing it for maybe like six to eight months. Like I was brand new, young. Like I cringed thinking about the photos that I had up there <laughs> and even the recipes. Like I don't even like the recipes from back then. Yeah. So anyway, just in, you know, topic of conversation, she brought up, oh, they've been needing like a drink expert or whatever. And he's like, oh, have you not been seeing what Monica has been doing? Because I used to serve her at Canoe all the time. And I, we had a really good rapport. She was lovely. And, you know, she saw my page and she saw that 
hey, would you want to be, would you want to audition for this? So I like, I put in the work. I had the anxiety of, <laughs> I don't even know, it was bad, but I knew that this was kind of what I wanted, what I wanted to do mm-hmm. because I haven't stated it by the way in this podcast yet, but it's good to have kind of a crazy dream, something big, something wild. And I've always set myself as saying, I want to be the Martha Stewart of cocktails. Right. So I just thought, okay, this is a good step towards that. And I've always kind of wanted to do TV. I took drama in, you know, uh, high school for four years. Like I went to a special arts school. So presentations wasn't really, um, was something that I was comfortable with. Mm -hmm. So I auditioned with Jess and she made me feel so comfortable and approachable. I was so happy. And, you know, they let me, you know, go on TV, like, you know, just for trial to see how it goes. And it's live. It's live. It's not like prep. So yeah, that happened. And the producers were so happy and they've been bringing me back ever since. That's great. And so what's the audition process like, though? Like you literally just go through what the interview would be like uh, and make the cocktails. So what happened was it was literally staged like we were on on the set. Mm. And, you know, we had two guys there and then one of the hosts, you know, came in and it was just set up like I would share four cocktails. So it's actually very much like how I prepped for any segment on the social. I have, you know, this massive script, you know, like certain, you know, talking points. Um, and then and then it's just working and flowing with the ladies. And we always seem to kind of work really, really well together. So That's awesome. And so, sorry, when's your next one? Uh, uh, it's February, you're, you're taping it on Ooh. February. We're taping. We're taping it on the eighth. Uh, it will be coming out the, probably the following week. So okay. well, I don't know what week that is. is. After this podcast, that's great. So anybody listening to this, check, make sure you check check this show out on the whenever the Monday the fifteenth, and, and you should um, DM us as well so we can advertise that you're going to be on. Uh, oh, thank uh, you. I yeah, appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, it's course. on my website. I put all the videos up there. Like everything oh, okay. is all linked, so you can watch it after because. Again, yeah. Who watches daytime TV? Like it's it's kind of hard. Now you can, but yeah, now we got time. Yeah, <laughs> so, actually, I should just get into the daytime TV. Yeah, something to do. So out of curiosity, does everyone finish their drinks too that you make them on the show, or do everyone just have like a sip just for? How does that work out? Oh my gosh, it was so funny. Um, it was the punch day. I think Ooh. that I, I made a whole <laughs> bunch of different punches like for the holidays, mm-hmm. and. All the people in the studio in the back were, were drinking like my punches. And there was <laughs> one, I made a clarified eggnog uh, sour. And this eggnog like holiday cocktail, I think is still one of my favorite clarified cocktails I've ever done. And it was the executive producer. I didn't even know who she was because there's this room and you really don't know who's coming in and out, like mm-hmm. who's kind of the big honcho and like who isn't. Um, right. So... You know, this woman's like sipping on this cocktail and she's like, and this has whiskey? I'm like, yeah. She's like, I hate whiskey, but I love this. I'm like, yeah, yes. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. That's like, the, that is the best thing you've ever taught anyone, Mother. <laughs> Honestly, that's the one I get all the time. It's like, I, I run a rum bar and they're like, oh, I don't like rum. I'm like, just try the cocktail. <laughs> I know. I know. And like, 
rum gets categorized in just like one particular zone and like people don't realize how much versatility is in it it's so yeah, yeah. and how like it's not not everything tastes like bacardi white you know what i mean no. <laughs> yeah so uh well this has been great monica we really appreciate you doing this and uh we definitely will be promoting your next appearance on the social that's right i nailed it um <laughs> and uh, yeah we really appreciate you coming on the show thanks for everything everybody should be checking out liquid culture Oh, we'll put all that in the notes so people can link to your website directly. Listen, and it's for your grandmas, your moms, it's for everybody. Like I do a varying list of, you know, difficulties on there. So Oh good. <laughs> that's, yeah. So like, oh, that's actually interesting. So it's kind of like like beginners and moving up the ladder towards more expert. Oh, that's Oh yeah. No, I break it down. Like it, it even says in the recipe if it's like easy, intermediate, or more expert. Because I know someone isn't gonna bring out the pork whole infuser and yeah <laughs> or, or try to clarify a cocktail if they've never like shaken a cocktail before you know right I mean? exactly well that's awesome thanks very much for joining us on the show we really appreciate it and uh best of luck with liquid culture i think it's an awesome idea no oh, thank you so much guys and like god bless with your business and all that stuff. thank you yeah. <laughs> thanks we need it <laughs> all right thanks again all right goodbye Bye. see ya